I just wanted to talk about, what Pastor's been talking about, is he's talking about the power of your words. And so this fell on my heart probably about a month ago before Pastor started talking about it. He preached that one night, and I'm like, that is exactly, exactly what I've been praying about. What God put on my heart, and he's like, awesome. Cool. And so I'm like, I'm super excited. It's just it's a confirmation to me that the Holy Spirit's real, and he's moving through his people. If two people have never talked about this are on the same wavelength, what can I say? Amen. Amen. So tonight I titled it, it's called Faith Talk. So as I was preparing for this, like I said, it dropped on my spirit. This is before Pastor started talking about it. What we dropped on me is the words that we speak can do powerful things. And I think as Christians, we forgot that sometimes. It's a, daily, it's a thing we do daily. It's not something you think about. It's something you just do. So when we are faced with tough situations in our lives, we just accept them sometimes. We never speak to them. But in, uh, turn with me to Proverbs 18, 20 through 21. And it says, a man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth. From the produce of his lips, he shall be filled. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. So what fruits are you eating today? That's what, that's what the Holy Spirit hit me with. And I'm like, oh, that, that humbled me. <laughs> you ever had that moment where God just like humbles you? Just like... Boom. It absolutely just humbled me. Our, our words play a huge part in our life and how we should speak and live our lives. If our words and tongues have the, the power to speak life and death, then let me challenge you with this. Are you speaking life or death in your life and over others? And two, are you declaring victory in your situations? Once I read this passage, I've started to try to live my life in a way that I start speaking truth in life every, in every situation in my life and over other people. I'm not perfect, though. Trust me, I'm far from perfect. But it's something that crosses my mind every day. When I wake up, I start with that. You know what, God? Just pray over my day. That's how I start my morning. I'm in my car, right? I'm praying for my day. I'm praying for people I know today. If I know someone's having a tough time, going through a tough time in life, they're speaking life. I'm speaking power. I'm speaking favor over them. No matter what the outcome may look like, I know I have a God of miracles on my side, and I'm going to speak life to that situation. The perfect example, the perfect example of this is David and Goliath. Turn with me to 1 Samuel 17, verses 45 through 47. Oh, there it is. I read this real quick. It says, Then David said to the Philistine, You come with me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, who you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air, 
in the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all this assembly, then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and with spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. This is the perfect example of speaking your situation. The outcome for David was not looking good. <laughs> okay? I just imagine like First of all, he's going against Goliath, a man that was from a young age was bred for war. That's what he was done. From a young age, you said he was a, a man of war. He was raised from war. That was his purpose in life. David was a shepherd boy, spent his days watching over sheep. So, who would have said David's going to go out there and beat him? Anybody? The man of war, the David. That's like, that's like me and pastor fighting. It's not going to go well for pastor. <laughs> I'm going to pay for that later. But anyways, it's not going to go well for pastor. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, but David knew who was behind him. And he declared that to Goliath. He said in verse 46, This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. That's a perfect example of speaking life and death. Turn back to me to 1 Samuel 17 again. In verse 10. And it said, And the Philistines said, I will defy the armies of Israel. This day give me a man that may fight me, that, that we may fight together. When Saul and all of Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Words can, put a, can start a war and can end it. That's exactly what happened with David and Goliath. Goliath started a war. David ended it with his words. The Lord had already delivered the army into their hands. It took someone to step out and talk to it. Say, you know what? David went out there with a sling and rocks and said, I'm going to cut off your head. How do you know that's a miracle? Yeah. Right? Yeah. How are you going to cut off his head if you don't have a knife? Like, I'd get real creative on that, but I'm going to leave that alone. Anyways, <laughs> somebody in this room may be facing a situation that looks like you're facing a Goliath. And the outcome is not looking good for you. But you just need to stand up, step out, and speak to the situation. Our words do not only need to be spoken, but they need faith to back them up. David walked out in faith, then spoke to Goliath. Sometimes it just takes that first step of stepping out. Then once you're there, I see so many people go back. They step out in faith instead of saying, Goliath, I'm going to cut your head off. Because you're defying the enemies of, defying the armies of God right now. Yeah. Started speaking the word of God. Said you've defied his army. You didn't say mine, my people. He said you defied the Israelites, the God's army. Started speaking the word against him. Didn't just inch out. Didn't walk out like, I hope God's got my back. He walked out with a chip on his shoulder. Said, hey, let's do it. How many of you imagine the Philistine army sees him walk out? It's like, <laughs> probably just laughed. This man of war's got it. 
He walked down in authority and faith, knowing that God had his back, then spoke to the situation. Another story I want to talk about is Jericho. Turn with me to Joshua 6. Where am I? All right, Joshua 6, we'll go 1 through 5. It says, Now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joseph, See, I have given you Jericho into your hand. First of all, if they're all shut up, I don't really see how they're giving you into your hand. <laughs> Personally, now you look at it, well, they're all shut up. They're all pretty happy in there and we're out here. Just saying, just looking at the outside, just saying. See, I have given Jericho into your hand and its king. And the mighty men of valor, you shall march around the city, all you men of war. You shall go around the city once, then you shall do six days. And seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets, and it shall come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horns, and when, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people shall shout with a great shout. Then the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up every man straight before him. Now, first of all, when it says no one came in or out, it's probably pretty fortified. Just like thinking, just thinking back on this, is like they don't have all the tools we have today. They don't have tanks. They don't have guns. They don't have this stuff. And so when they come to a wall, it's an obstacle. Is where nowadays we just go right through it, right? So when they come to this wall, when they come to this, this obstacle, they can't go through it. So what do they do? It just got delivered. What are they going to do? And I find it funny how God tends to have us do stuff sometimes. It's like, okay, now walk around it for six days. And on the seventh, you do one thing, do a couple things different, and blow a trumpet, and you're in a shout. <laughs> and it's all coming down. Well, thinking about that logically, that's not happening. <laughs> like, you know, how many times do we put what we think over what God says? It's no walk in the park just to walk right through this enemy. It's going to take a miracle. So when Joshua was told to walk around, play trumpets, sounds pretty ridiculous. But God already had delivered Jericho into their hands. Just like Goliath. He had already been delivered into their hands. So on the last day when they shouted, out to their... That, their <laughs> I'm going to get it. So on the last day when they shouted out to their adversity... I believe that the way they shouted it was in a shout of authority. It was a shout of faith because that was the only thing they could do because there's no chance they would get through this situation without God. And so when they shouted, the walls came down. Sometimes we need that. 
We need to shout. We need to speak to our adversities in our lives, the things that we will not be able to get through without us speaking to it. I see so many people go through something. I see them metaphorically walking around their walls. They go all six days, and when it comes to the seventh day, they stop. They stop. It's something they've been dealing with, and they, they give up. They're like, you well, know what? It's not happening. I know what God told me, but I've been doing this. And your six days could technically be a y- years. Like Pastor said, the gym. How many years is it? 12 years? 17 years? It took 17 years. But if you ever stopped and said, you know what? No. I'm done walking around the walls. We'll find another way. How many know that those walls never would have came down? And sometimes I see so many people dealing with these things in their lives. Like it could be adversity, loneliness, trials, personal battles, desires. Maybe something they've been praying for and they don't see them ever changing. And they stop. We speak life and we speak death. If we ever stop doing that, if we ever stop speaking life, life and us continuing forward stops. Unless we're speaking to those situations, if they ever stopped speaking and shouting to Jericho, they never would have gone forth. All right, turn with me to Matthew 20, verses 30 through 34. I wrote this in here. I wasn't, wasn't quite sure. It just kind of dropped on my spirit, and I went, went back and read it. I kind of put it in my notes that I wasn't quite sure if I wanted to bring this in, but I think I am. I think I am. This is Matthew 20, verses 30 through 34. It's the blind man receiving sight, and it said, And behold, two blind men sitting by the road, when they heard that Jesus was passing by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, Son of David. Then the multitude Warn them that they should be quiet. But they cried out all that more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, Son of David. So Jesus stood still and called them, said, What do you want me to do for you? They said to him, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. So Jesus had compassion and touched her eyes, and immediately their eyes received sight, and they followed him. How many times does this world try to silence us? It said, and the multitude warned them that they should be quiet. You go in the news today and see, I just read this article that classified Christians as a hate group. Classified us as a hate group. Because we, dis- we disbelieve somebody else's ideology. We don't agree with him, and it speaks against what we believe in, so we're now a hate group. But if they ever get in the word, they'll see that there's a God of love. There's a God of peace, there's a God of mercy. And he loves them so much, and that destroys me because it frustrates me so much. Seeing some of the things that people say today, <laughs> I'm like, Lord, have you, ever, have you ever gotten in a conversation with one of those people? You don't win. <laughs> you don't. 
you can speak life. I, I've came out and said with something, you know what, I don't, I don't believe that. <laughs> I'm a Christian. I don't believe that what you're saying is not true to me. I don't believe that it was, was against your religion. your religion. I said, no. First of all, it's not a religion. It's a relationship. And that took him back because he's never heard it like that. Well, you know what makes the best movies? Drama. Drama, relationships, stuff like that. You want to get so... You, they, movies, directors, build up a character so you can identify with them. Get that relationship going. As soon as you have that, they have you gripped, and you want to watch the rest of that movie. Bad movies start off, you... I've never watched a... I have watched a bad movie. I can't quite think of it because it's bad. I didn't enjoy it. <laughs> but, but you just don't you, don't, you don't build that connection with it. You don't build that connection to that relationship. So when they hear it's about a relationship, that piques their interest. Because that's what they're searching for. That's what everyone's searching for is relationship with someone. Relationship with God never intended us for be where we're at. You turn for internal life. So as soon as we fell away from that, there was a hole that was created inside of us that only he can fill. And so we fill our lives with so many different things. We accept different things. We say it's okay because we want to feel accepted. We want to be accepted by this world. We avoid those conversations with those people. This kid's at the gym and told me it's about a relationship. He's like, okay, well, it's, you're a Christian, so it's religion. No, it's a relationship. No, it's religion. I'm, <laughs> I'm like, okay, you win. Um, I mean, for me, you could say it's religion. For me, it's a relationship. I explained it to him. I'm like, that's what I grew up in church. I always thought of it as a religion. To me, it was a religion. The moment I looked at it as a relationship, I had to put some skin in the game. When you start putting skin in the game, when you start putting time into what you're doing, you start growing into it. As soon as I started, as soon as I started the school and ministry, I felt, when I was in the internship, I felt, hey, yeah, I'm starting to grow, I'm starting to get some skin in there. As soon as I got in the school and ministry, I started realizing what they were teaching is the school and ministry and just what they're teaching. And what you're getting a hold of, you start realizing, I'm giving up my time. I'm learning all this. And all this stuff, all the fall, man, he still loves me. I look back in my life and I say, he still loves me. That's weird. Because I don't deserve it. I don't. I sat in three rows back, third seat in from the left. I sat right there. My senior year of high school. And this still didn't change my perspective on God. I sat there after worship. I remember pastor was up here talking, praying. I sat there and went, God, if you're real, show me something. I sat there for like five minutes looking past you, nothing. So I took my head down, put my head down, take a nap. As soon as I closed my eyes, there was such a bright light. I had to open them, and it felt like I was blind for a second. And I looked up, and the lights weren't pointing at me. I was, my head was down. I got chills on my body. I said, God is real. So the moment I got that into my life, I started speaking into my situations. 
great things started happening. People start trying to silence me. People start trying to silence you. Say, you know what? Don't call like that. And what drives me nuts is when people say the Holy Spirit is dead. That absolutely drives me insane. So I never read it in here. I believe everything in here. It's not, it's not in here. The last couple of verses I want to talk about. Matthew 17, 20. Luke 17, 5 through 6. So let's turn to Matthew first. Matthew. Let me get there any slower. I can't. Matthew 17. Matthew 17, 20. Said, so Jesus said to them, Because of your little faith for you, I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. You have the faith the size of a mustard seed. So it required two things, faith and you to speak. Some of us get the faith and never speak. Some of us get... Speak, but don't ever have the faith. As soon as those come together, mountains move. Amen. Same thing in Luke 17, 5 through 6. Man, is it hot in here or is it just me? Five through six. And the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. So the Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up from the roots, and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. I guys know it's nothing Jesus did. He wasn't able to give them faith. Something they had to learn. And you read here, my faith grows knowing there's a God that died for me. He said, if you have the faith the size of a mustard seed, you speak to this thing, it'll do what you say. Both of these are so powerful and can apply to so many things. But when I read it, it shows if you have faith the size of a mustard seed and speak to the situation, then the mountains will move. Our words are so powerful, and it's just crazy to think that we have the power to speak life and death with just our words. Yeah. Our words can be the start of wars and the destruction of countries, as we're seeing today. But they can also give hope to the hopeless and be used to spread the love of our Father and can tell people the good news. We as Christians need to speak life to our world. Something we can never stop doing. We have to use our voices for life and hope and encouragement and the spread of the gospel. The world is so full of people speaking death and destruction. Can anybody tell me who said this? You ready? I'm going to say it real quick. Make the lie big. Make it simple. Keep saying it. 
and eventually they will believe it. Anybody who said that? Adolf Hitler. You got it. Make the lie big. Make it simple. Keep saying it, and eventually they will believe it. Now tell me who said this. Direct the youth, you hold the future. Same person, Adolf Hitler. Both of those are true statements. Make the lie big, make it simple, keep saying it, and eventually they will believe it. And that's what our world has done today. It never stopped. There have been so many lies that have been spoken and spoken over and over again to people, like abortion. That drives me nuts. I don't mean to get political, and I'm going to stop right there, but it just drives me nuts. But I hear more at the gym when I talk to these kids that they feel like they're not loved, that they're not worthy of anything, that they won't ever amount to anything. There's no hope for them. Nobody's there for them. This world has absolutely destroyed people. But we have the word of life. We have the hope of, on the inside of us. We can speak life to people. And when we do that, we'll stand out from the crowd. And that will draw people to our Savior. When we speak life to people and speak positive things to people, that draws them to us. When you're so tuned in to hearing something so dark and so negative and so crushing, when you hear something that sounds better than that, go to follow it. Like he said, make the lie big. Make it simple. Keep saying it. Eventually they will believe it. It sounded better than their reality right there. My biggest thing I try to do at the gym is people say, have a good day. I say, have a blessed day. I've had people come up and say, well, why do you say have a blessed day? Is it because it's Lord's gym? I said, no. So I believe you'll have a blessed day. But you're going to have a good day. I had someone say to me, you know what, that really helps because today has been horrible. And she went on to tell me all this stuff and it just, I felt so bad. I said, you know what, you're having a blessed day. And I started with her too. I said, God's got you in his hands. I said, thank you. I said, I needed that today. But it's just something simple, something small that you can start saying to someone. When we speak life, great things can happen. We not only have to speak life to our situations, but also to the people that we come in contact with. Because when we speak life, amazing things will happen. Matt, can I have you guys come back up? I know it's short. I still got a little, a little more, but... Can I just encourage you guys today to speak life every day? You can just start with something. Just start with something, but 
if you start doing it, talking to people with the idea of speaking life into their lives, amazing things will happen. So my dad, I don't know if you knew I'm telling this, but I am now. <laughs> Amen. No, but my dad has um, my dad has congestive heart failure. And it was something his mom, my grandma, died from. Had a massive heart attack. And um, one day, he ended up telling me, he ended up telling me like the full extent of it. I knew he was having problems. I didn't know the full extent. He told me these things. And so I was, I was going to um, this place, going to this wedding. Um, so I was driving there. I just started speaking life. I started praying for my dad. I said it was hereditary, so I started praying for my brothers. I started speaking against those things, those things that could hold me back. The situations that could hold me down, I started speaking against them. And since then, he's been off his medication. Doctors cleared him to do the things that he's able to do. But it requires you to speak. And the moment we lose what we're speaking, it's the moment we stop moving forward. But God's like my grandpa said, we never even talked about this, it just came to my mind, but he said, it went viral back in the day. They didn't have cell phones. They didn't have all this stuff. It went by the word of mouth. They weren't quiet. Those disciples stopped right there. It never would have kept going. They kept speaking it. They kept sharing what he had done in their life and showing what he had done for them. The moment we stop doing that is the moment that it stops. If you feed if you're, you're going to fight two dogs and you feed one dog and you don't the other, who's going to win? The one you feed. So in this world, if it's overpowering with death, and we're not speaking life, which one's going to win? I believe the moment that we stand up as a church, as Christians, start speaking against those situations, things are going to change. Hebrews 4 says, For the word of God is, li is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. When you are faced with something, speak the word of God. I've gotten in situations where I feel so down. I say, you know, I'm the head, not the tail. I'm a son of God. I've been endued with power. And we forget that because we forget to speak it. We get so focused on what's happening here and we forget what's happening out here. The moment we speak and we shout, the walls come down. The moment we come out and declare victory, Goliath falls. But we forget that. The word is alive and powerful and sharper than two-edged sword. Then why are we not using it? It's our greatest asset. It's one of the best weapons and tools to use against the devil. When Jesus was tempted, he used the word. He fought with the word. 
As soon as we start speaking the word to our situations, we start speaking against that. Great things are going to happen. Not only in your life, but the lives around you. Desmond Doss. Has anyone heard of Desmond Doss? He's the guy who's seen Hacksaw Ridge. He's the guy from Hacksaw Ridge. When he was up there, he saved something like 70 or 80 people. Lowered him down. He said in an interview, he said, Lord, help me get one more. Help me get one more. What if we took our life like that? God, Lord, help me get one more. Every single morning, he said, Lord, help me get one more. If he got 80 people, there's more than one person in this room. We start timesing that by 10, 100, 1,000. What could happen? What could happen? So tonight, come and close everyone, close their eyes and bow their head. I didn't plan on closing with an altar, but I just feel in my spirit. You want to come up for prayer? Come up and let somebody pray in you with agreement. Lift your voices up. Whatever you're facing in your life. Feel like someone, they feel like they've been doing this thing for so long. Been praying for so long. Feels like it's never going to happen. Right now, you're on your seventh day. You just have to shout. You just have to shout. And some things, just, you want to come up here and just declare victory. Just between you and God. As you sing this song, of those things. Just declare it today. Declare your victory. Speak it. I promise you, the wall will fall and the giant will fall. 